Welcome to the Stronger Than Your Boyfriend podcast. For everyone who's into fitness, except for you, half rep Gary. We are your hosts, Heather and Katie, a couple of awesome gay girls and the owners of Bar Pass Fitness. We have a couple of degrees and certifications and stuff, but we truly believe our combined 25 years of experience training and working with people is our biggest asset. And we're here to help you sift through the bullshit and toxic misinformation that permeates the fitness industry. Today, we're going to talk about mobility and stability training. Yeah, so mobility and stability training are essential if you want to train full reps and not half reps. So what I mean by half reps is you're training a shortened range of motion. And yes, there are certain times for certain athletes where doing those like quarter squats or whatever is beneficial. But we're talking about for your average client who just wants to build muscle, have a better body composition and build their metabolism. So we need to be training through full ranges of motion. So a half rep, I'll give you an example. That gym bro, he's taking up the squat rack, he's loading 500 pounds on that barbell, and he's only going down a quarter of the way, right? And, you know, probably going to blow out his knee and break his back. But he looks so cool. I don't know if he looks that cool. It looks kind of like a loser. (laughs) Another example is maybe not fully locking the arms out in an overhead press. You know, maybe having your torso too high in a bent over barbell row so you're not fully hitting the lats. And I know these, you know, both of those examples sound like tedious ones, but they're really important um, to train the muscle fully because you're going through a full range of motion. And why it's important, again, is because you'll build more muscle and gain more strength. And it's important to keep your joints healthy by putting them through a range of motion or a full range of motion, which is key for longevity in your training. So what I mean by that is that you're going to be able to train until the day you die, right? Which is the goal. Yeah. So when we're talking about this, we're talking about having solid mobility, right? And so mobility, the definition, there's a lot of definitions out there, but the one I like the best is the ability to move a joint through a specific range of motion and optimal mobility is moving in this range of motion smoothly and pain-free. So that's kind of what our goal is. That is key, pain-free movement. Yes. So we want to kind of reframe the way you think about mobility training um, because it really is strength training, right? So to have mobility, first you have to have stability. And so that's the, the ability for you to be stable enough for your joint to be free and mobile. So you need that stability first. And we're going we're gonna to talk about both. Yeah. So with stability training, you know, the the best way I I can tell you to think about it is unilateral training. So can you do a deadlift on one leg or any type of hinge movement on one leg, right? When we talk about stability training, we're not talking about the dumbass people who put their clients on BOSU balls and make them do do squats because it's an unstable surface. That's fucking stupid. And you're probably going to injure your client or yourself if you're doing this. So please don't do that. Train Train stability through unilateral training or just variations of bilateral movements, okay? Um, And what we usually see with joints that need it the most, the people, you know, the place that people need stability the most is the ankle joint, right? Anytime we can, you know, program a movement for a client on one leg, we will take take advantage of that opportunity. So again, you know, like I was saying, a hinge movement, you know, you could do a split squat where you're, you know, trying to max out your ankle dorsiflexion. So that means just pushing your ankle or pushing your knee as far over your toes, you know, really training that ankle. So again, it doesn't need to be all on one leg leg, but it could be different unilateral variations or again, like a bilateral variation, right? 
Um, another really good one is any type of like pistol squat regression. Um, so most people can't do pistol squats and that's fine, but I think it's a great goal for you to have, but you can start by doing, you know, these single leg variations. You can hold on to, to a TRX, you can do to a shortened range of motion. So you're doing it to a box, right? So let's say you're lifting one leg up and you're squatting with that one leg, you're sitting on the box, standing back up. That is a huge, uh, or a, a, a huge stimulus for you especially if you haven't been doing it right so yeah yeah and if you think about like if you want to be super strong and say you're a power lifter and you can deadlift you know 600 pounds but you can't do a single leg deadlift um, with no weight without falling over you don't really have that balance or that stability in your joints that you're at a huge risk for injury there and we definitely want to reduce that risk so you can have longevity and get injured less frequency frequently which will make you stronger in the long run Yeah. So I want to actually ask you a question, Heather, since you currently, let's keep it real. You're dealing with a big back injury right now and you used to power lift and used to lift a fuck ton of weight. And what do you think that you could have done differently in your training to help prevent this or just to, you know, help prevent any person in this, in this situation, right? Like as far as like accessory work to your, to your main lifts. Listened to my wife, Katie. Oh my God, that is the perfect answer. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure though. Um, Katie is really good in her own training with her discipline as well with taking everything through a full, and I mean super full range of motion with really great concentration on what's happening, that mind-muscle connection and the right tempo. And as I was powerlifting, first of all, let me just point out, I was powerlifting and I've taught group fitness for over 15 years. Not so a great combo, you guys. Not a good combo at all. Like what? That's like two totally conflicting things, right? That's like people wanting to run a marathon and powerlift, which yeah. we've run into before and it doesn't work. It does not work. Um, but let me just say, um, I think my biggest thing is powerlifting for me was it's still weightlifting is like this for me um, because powerlifting has really become, that's a whole different story, but it's really become not my sport anymore. Um, still have love for it, but it's very clicky. We can do a full, yeah, we'll episode, do a full episode on, on why we don't like um, <laughs> But for me, it was very much like, okay, it's empowering. It was, you know, resilience. It's getting through something tough. And so um, when I'm in that mindset, you know, I'm also in the mindset of, I just have to pick up this weight. And I'm not really focused on controlling the weight or making sure my form is good. And so I'm super guilty of doing that when I'm powerlifting because I I was too often in that mindset. And don't get me wrong, when you're competing, there is a time and a place for that mindset to just say, screw it, I'm going all in. I got this. I just have to like clear my head and rage. Um, yeah. But it's, it's not during your training, definitely not during your off season. Um, so I'm very guilty of that. Yeah, I would even argue that you want to make your training like, you know, prior to competition, you know, kind of like boring, right? Like you want to be doing all that, like, you know, focusing, slowing down the movement. And yeah, you probably have some training days in there where you're going more intense and heavier, but that should be few and far between. Like you really just want to save that for the platform the day you're competing, right? Yeah. And for me, I kind of knew what a lot of of my weaknesses were. But I was almost, I don't want to say too lazy, um, too bored with the the PT portion of it and, and like the, the rehab or whatever you want to call it, the prehab, I guess, of like doing the proper things to warm up the muscles properly before starting the movement and then during the movement, not slowing down and, and concentrating. So that's what I think I could have done better. Yeah, this is why. Okay, so this is why like these cookie cutter programs that people just buy off the internet 
man, they just don't work because it's just a bunch of bullshit, ex- you know, programming with random exercise thrown together. And they don't take this into account. Obviously, they're not taking t- into account the individual, right? Because it's just a, a cookie cutter program. But it's just like, all right, we'll throw on a squat because, you know, people should squat and then like a deadlift because people should do that. But it's like, where's your unilateral unilateral training? Like, where's the mobility component? Like, there are some good programs out there that incorporate all these elements, but it's still never going to be as good as having an individualized program, right? Yeah. I mean, something's always better than nothing. Oh, yeah, for sure. Obviously. Rather than going into the gym and just training what you feel like, it's better to have a program yeah and hopefully it's a good program yeah um that makes sense um and then obviously the best option is a coach an yeah. individualized program yeah like we have you know one-time programs that people can buy but we will always say like yeah if you can hire us as a coach or someone else as a coach who can program for you individually based off your goals and your weaknesses do that always so yeah so okay On the topic of mobility and stability training, Katie, do you think if someone is a beginner, they should start by only doing mobility and stability training and not train the heavier compound movements? Because a lot of like certifications, because I I actually teach or I was teaching um, like intro certification courses like ACE and NASM and all that. And a lot of times they talk about that base of stability and then mobility before adding load. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah, totally. And, you know, I went through ACE, so they teach that, you know, like the first phase of training should be mobility and stability. So I think you can train all simultaneously. Obviously, if you have a client or if you are the client who, you know, you are, you know, you've been pretty like bedridden for some reason or you just haven't moved a lot. Like, yes, you should be doing probably strictly like you know, mobility and stability training, like maybe you're just trying to like get up from your bed or you're, you know, maybe we're just like trying to balance on one leg so you don't fall over and you're gaining that proprioception. But most people, you know, even if they don't have experience with resistance training, you can, we can be training mobility, stability, and strength all simultaneously because like in my eyes, I see them almost as like one thing, right? So they're all just strength. So like you can regress whatever by, you know, bilateral variation you're doing. So maybe instead of a, you know, jumping right to a barbell squat, you're doing a body weight squat, you know, so that like that could be like your main lift. But the ma- majority of the training is focused around that mobility and stability work. So maybe we're doing single leg toe touches and we're doing like a regress variation of a split squat. So maybe they're holding holding on to something for balance and support. And maybe they're just going down, you know, they're tapping their knee to like a yoga block. So they're not getting all the way to the floor yet. So um, yeah, like, a, you know, another like a lower body focus state could look like, um, you know, maybe they're doing horse stance squats. So um, we, we love our horse stance squats. This is basically where you start with your feet together you shimmy your feet out right so you're in kind of like a wider stance your toes are pointed forward and your arms are out in front of you so you're able to keep your torso as upright as possible that's the key for this one you're just squatting down to as far you know as far as is comfortable for you so this one really opens up the hips you know trains trains that groin area and strengthens the glutes and adductors but do we love our horse stand squats because they freaking hurt um we fucking love them. Oh, I mean, yeah. hate, love them. That's that's the way to do it. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, uh, right after that, maybe they're doing body weight squat with a full range of motion. Maybe at first they have to hold on to something, right? So they don't fall over. But we're still taking the joints to a full range of motion. Or you could do, you know, do box squats. So you're, you're getting the full range of motion that you have, right? So 
you have a you know 14 inch box or maybe not 14 that's a little low maybe you're starting with a 20 inch box and you're sitting all the way to it and then you're standing back up but you're trying to you know keep that intention there so you're creating as much tension in the legs as possible so there are a lot of ways you can program this right so i would say it depends on the the, the exact level at someone's at because you know, there could be a beginner can be completely sub subjective, right? So one beginner might be starting from a, a different place than another quote unquote beginner. So I know that was kind of long winded answer to your question, but I know like every other, every other question you're probably going to hear is the answer is it depends, but there are general rules. Yeah, totally. So yeah, on the other hand, Heather, for your powerlifting athletes you've trained and have, you know, just seen in general and Granted, this doesn't have to be like someone competing. This can be just like your person who's maybe they're more advanced in their lifting career. They want to get stronger at the squat bench and deadlift and other compound movements. How much do you think the mobility and stability co component is lacking in, you know, people you see or just like powerlifter, powerlifters in general in their programming? Yeah. So um, I guess we haven't really discussed this before, but for me, um, most of the clients that I train or have trained pretty recently have been competitive powerlifters or into powerlifting. Um, that's just kind of my niche because I was competing for so long. Um, but I personally think, so it kind of, again, it depends. Um, it kind of depends. A lot of people think they have a mobility issue and they don't realize they really have a stability issue at first. Yeah. Um, so that has been really common with my clients. They're just not stable. Yeah. I mean, I know one of your clients can deadlift a shit ton, but can't really do a single leg toe touch with his body weight. It's getting so better. we, yeah, like if that's you, bro, we need to maybe lighten the weight and work on that unilateral training. He's got a lot better. So that's good. <laughs> So yeah, I think, um, you know, not just powerlifters, but anyone who wants to get really strong at a bilateral movement, like the squat bench and deadlift should obviously work unilateral and also work a lot more on mobility and stability. Well, okay. I think we need to get a little bit more specific here because, you know, you keep saying like unilateral stability, like what would an example look like for someone? Like, let's, let's just break it down. Like what if someone is really strong, you know, in the squat but you try to do like a, you know, a single leg pistol, like box squat, right? It's not even a full pistol squat. Like what is lacking in, you know, in their own strength and mobility? And what would you like program for someone who has that issue? Yeah. So we're going to back off a little bit of those bilateral movements. If I find that there's that much of a discrepancy between one side and the other, um, we're going to be focusing a lot on single leg stuff. Um, if they're having issues with, what did you say? Pistol, single leg pistol Yeah. Squat so like, box? well, or just like a, you know, like lunges or like a split oh, okay. squat, so or I would say like for that power lifter though, like if they're, you know, if they're loading up their squat and I would say like the pistol box squat or like a pistol squat variation is a good test of like where their unilateral strength and stability is at, because like, you know, you could, when you do a lunge or a split squat, you still have that back leg on the floor, you know, at, at some point. Or, or you know it's it's on the ground during the lift so you still have that help from it but a, a actual pistol variation you're literally lifting up one leg so all the load is on one leg so like if they do have that huge discrepancy like what would you program yeah like specifically yeah i think you know we do we would attack it over time with different things but yeah. i mean if it's a single leg pistol box squat you'll be able to catch a lot of things with that movement like yeah. not just you know is the knee caving what's the stability in the ankle 
look like on this the leg that's you know on the ground but also what's the other leg doing like what's the hip compression strength yeah. look like in the other side yeah um there's a lot of things you can catch for that movement how is the control at the very bottom of the movement right before they touch the box um that kind of stuff so yeah i think you know it depends on what i'm seeing what i would yeah. program around it but it right. definitely be some single leg stuff yeah what i've noticed with these people is the you know, not only does their mobility suck, but their mobility sucks because their hips are really weak. So especially with like, even like, you know, let's say you're just trying to get a pistol squat in general, or you're using it as an accessory lift. What people, you know, people will like drill ankle mobility all the time, but when they, what they really need is to be able to lift that, um, the leg that's not actually doing the squatting up. Right. But they just lack the strength to do that. So that's why, we see mobility training as strength training because there is there's a lot of different components for different movements and different joints right so that's why it's like it's really hard to give like movements in general like this is what you should do for better mobility but it totally depends on the person and where their weaknesses lie i mean generally we do see a lot of the same weaknesses across people like you know they have horrible hip compression their ankles are super tight their hips are really tight so you know we can give a lot of like you know 90 90 drills or like long lunge holds to open up the hip flexors stuff like that but it's like it's so hard to just give like a general mobility program because everyone is just so different. So yeah. And just kind of leading into if you want to train as long as humanly possible, uh, you know, with your time on left on this earth, you need to be incorporating some mobility work in your program. And like I said, mobility work is, is, is strength training. So it doesn't just need to be this tedious, boring, you know, routine that you're doing outside of your training program. You, have, you know, you're dedicating 60 minutes maybe to your strength training, and then you have to dedicate all this time to your your extra mobility work. It doesn't need to be like that. We like you can incorporate these movements into your training. You can use them as warm ups. You can use them, you know, mix them, you know, into like your accessory work. So like there are ways to do it without you know, wasting a whole bunch of time. And I say wasting as in like, you have probably have better things to do. Most people have kids, they have jobs, they want to do other shit besides sitting on their floor and doing mobility work. So, um, you know, hit us up if you want some help with that, <laughs> if you want some help programming with that. But um, yeah, like most of us are not moving our bodies all day. Like our bodies are made to move. So, you know, you need to dedicate that time, no matter if it's in your workout or outside of it, to strengthen those joints, tendons, and ligaments, which means, again, putting them through that full range of motion. Yeah, and we have a really good article on this actually on our website if you want to learn more specifically about the hips. Um, it's barpathfitness.com slash how to stretch and strengthen the hips, or maybe it's how to stretch and strengthen the hip flexors. Something like that. I don't know, something like that. But it also gives, there's a couple of tests in there you can do to find out if your, if your hips are weak or tight or both. Um, and then some drills that you can add to your training to, um, to really help. Yeah. And again, like if you need some help or do you have any just like follow up questions on this, like feel free to hit us up, like pretty chill, you can message us on Instagram or whatever, wherever you know us from. And yeah, we'll be happy to answer any questions. But yeah, if you actually want to work with us, you can do that as well. And we will coach you of to not have shitty hips and other <laughs> shitty things. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> 
Great. So thanks for joining us today. Um, basically, today was all about if you want uh, to lift for longevity for the rest of your life, which should be your goal, you need to think outside the box and not just train your bilateral or your barbell compound movements, but also add in stability, mobility, and unilateral training. Yeah. This is for you. This episode is dedicated to you, Half Rep Gary. <laughs> of course. And all your bros. <laughs> be sure to follow us on Instagram at Bar Path Fitness and remember to rate, review, and subscribe. And we will see you next week. <laughs>